when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where this week we're going to be asking our experts what to expect from the budget and whether it will launch an infrastructure spending spree or perhaps be a model of probity. I'm Robert Miller. I'm joined in the studio by Anne Ashworth, the property and personal finance editor of The Times, Philip Aldrick, our economics editor and columnist, and on the line from Westminster, Sam Coates, deputy political editor of The Times. Uh, Welcome to you all. Sam, before we come to you, I've got a clip here of what Chancellor Philip Hammond had to say about the state of the UK economy in his autumn statement uh, last November. Let's have a quick listen. Mr Speaker, it's a privilege to report today on an economy which the IMF predicts will be the fastest growing major advanced economy in the world this year. An economy with employment at a record high and unemployment at an 11-year low. An economy which, through the hard work of the British people, has bounced back from the depths of Labour's recession. And an economy which has confounded commentators at home and abroad with its strength and its resilience since the British people decided exactly five months ago today to leave the European Union and chart a new future for our country. Sam, given this chance to chart a new course for Britain, perhaps you could start by uh, setting the political stage for us and give us an idea of what the expectations of backbenchers are in Westminster down there. Well, this will be Philip Hammond's first full budget. Of course, he did an autumn statement in November, but this will be his first budget, and it will be the last spring budget, because, of course, uh, Philip Hammond has said that from next year, there's going to be one budget a year, and that's going to be every autumn. So I think there are, uh, there's a great deal of expectation, but the Treasury is sneaking in quite hard not to get too overexcited at this stage about the content. There are two budgets this year, and the consequence is this. Philip Hammond wants to keep back any firepower that he has, any um, wiggle room that he needs to deploy in case it's needed in the autumn budget this year. So if there is um, uh, additional cash, if there is uh, any gains from an upgrade to economic growth, which there surely will be, then we will, uh, we will see that being spent in the October-November budget. Um, when the Treasury fears, people will be suffering from a bit more of the cost of living squeeze that they think is going to be caused by higher inflation, lower sterling that we've seen over recent months because of Brexit. So they are trying desperately to say this is the less important budget of the two. But of course, that does not mean it will be in, uh, uh, uninteresting. Uh, a number of challenges. We know that he is going to have to spend money to try and fill some of the gap on social care. He will probably duck giving extra money to the NHS because he's spending money on social care and helping ease the pressure on the former will uh, uh, help him avoid having to spend money on, on the latter. He's also run into a row with Conservative MPs on business rates. That could cost him probably a few hundred million, maybe even up to a billion. Furthermore, he might have to do uh, to spend some money on um, sorting out the insurance problem that he created and has been in the headlines this week. All of that 
in an environment where he doesn't he wants a fiscally neutral budget, doesn't want to spend any of the proceeds of growth at the moment, coupled with the fact that he's only just asked the government departments to set out up to six percent cuts and he's not going to ask for more at this stage, means that he's probably going to have to look for money in the kind of things that we generally call stealth taxes. So the big tip for next week is to look out for a stealth tax budget. Well, he, he is. Uh, hi, Sam. I was I was just going to say he's got uh, twenty nine billion pounds more room to play with over the Parliament than the OBR had predicted back in November. At least that, those are the forecasts uh, from Resolution Foundation. So, uh, Foundation figures uh, published uh, uh, earlier this week make that clear. But the signalling from the Treasury, as far as I can tell, is that if they possibly can, all additional spending will, like so many other budgets, be offset by. Uh, additional savings. And that means that they've got a challenge. The challenge is to do it, possibly without even reaching into departmental pockets, because they've only just asked for one round of cuts, additional cuts to be found from government departments. And that presents pretty much a headache. So there'll be some tax avoidance that will no doubt be the folks of a clampdown. But then there are going to be all sorts of other nefarious, slightly below the radar schemes that people will end up finding makes their life more expensive, uh, but won't look like an upfront tax increase. And that's, I think, really the challenge of what we need to look out for next week. He must be quite worried about the future if, uh, if, he's, if he's going to bag. He had, he had something like a £27 billion headroom in terms of uh, hitting his target in 2021. So uh, actually, I think the Resolution Foundation is expecting it, that to be only going up to £31 billion, um, uh, when the OBR produces its numbers. But the, he's, he, has, he has got quite a lot of room there, I, I suppose, for um, you know, if the economy does come off the rails, the public finances, you know, hit the hit the buffers, and um, uh, you know, Brexit is uh, suddenly turns nasty. I think we should always be very suspicious when the Treasury wants us to think that a budget is going to be boring. I tend to feel that that will be full of a number of small measures that particularly affect the individual. And I'm just wondering whether all this talk of a bonfire of tax reliefs could be true that they might start thinking about getting lowering the capital gains tax allowance, imposing more tax on estates through what we've been hearing about death taxes to pay for social care, and also whether the self-employed are going to be hit because there is this huge ambition within Whitehall and within Westminster to get more tax and national insurance from self-employed people, particularly those who are only self-employed in name, but in every other sense are actually employees. So whenever I hear the word boring, I worry, I worry for people's wallets. That's absolutely fair as a knee-jerk reaction. But I, 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 what I, I, I think that you have to ask, what does the Treasury define as boring? And I think the Treasury defines as boring a, uh, a budget day scorecard where the sums involved aren't particularly high. And that actually is completely compatible with your definition of interesting, stroke worrying. I think you can foresee a situation with a number of small measures that actually hurt some little groups of society disproportionately, uh, adding up to what they would call a boring budget, but we would call a extremely politically significant affair. But there's no doubt when it comes to heavy lifting, and by heavy lifting, people mean measures in the billions, that ain't happening now. That's going to happen perhaps uh, in the autumn, if needed, if the cost of living squeeze materialises in the way that Treasury says. I'm just going to say two words here, stamp and duty. 
What's going to happen to property taxes? Because it's quite clear that the higher rates of stamp duty have slowed down the market in parts of London and in parts of the southeast. Transactions are low. Will the Chancellor see in his way to do something about this? How can he do it without seeming to favour the rich by cutting the rates? And what is he going to do for first-time buyers? Because the housing white paper did not contain enough measures to make the millennials feel they will have a home of their own. All right, uh, Philip, I'm going to get you to answer that first and then Sam. Philip. Well, on uh, on housing, the, I mean, yeah, the white paper wasn't uh, wasn't uh, sort of instructive in how to um, help uh, the millennials and, and actually even necessarily fix the housing market problems. But um, the... I mean, I think the key thing I've been picking up is that they don't is that they feel like there's been a lot of tinkering with the housing market. So the the sort of help to buy schemes are over. Um, they the, the approach that they announced before the white paper was that there were very targeted uh, schemes to help you know people on low incomes and get housing associations to to build uh, to build more. Um, those uh, those have all been rolled together as a sort of bigger pot of money, and you don't have to tick as many boxes to get hold of the cash. And they seem to just want to they they don't want to interfere too much. I think they you get the impression that they want to just start get get house builders building, and you know if prices are coming down i suppose that's a way of helping first time buyers and 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 also the credit provision you know the banks are you know are definitely providing cheap finance for for for, for borrowers so i i don't know I, I don't really sense that there would be any any vital crisis for them to handle in in this particular uh, budget would you agree with that sam yes i thought that Anne's analysis of the politics was very shrewd um essentially we've got a situation where there are knock-on effects of the tax structure on the housing market, but you absolutely can't, if you're Theresa May's promise to help the Just Manager Group, then give a big bung, and it would be an expensive uh, measure to try and alleviate the impact of stamp duty. You can't then be seen to just help that group at the top who want to move house. Now, there are consequences for that. That's a big and intractable problem, of which there's no easy and early answer. But I'm not sure that this is the budget in which they're going to move because the politics of helping out the rich, as George Osborne found with cost in 2012, are extremely extraordinarily toxic and that is the thing that politically Theresa May has set her face against. Obviously the, the Chancellor does have some challenges. He's got to find some money for social care and, and health. He's got to he's got to fill the, the hole for uh, business on business rates for companies that are, are facing sort of punitive rises in their in their bills there. Um, uh, so uh, I mean as you say Sam he's he, it is I suppose going to have to be some some manner of stealth tax budget because they've they've frozen uh, you know there's not going to be a, um, any increase in income tax in terms of the you know uh, that, that this is policy VAT. Other major taxes are not going to rise. Corporation tax is falling. Um, uh, that so it is going to have to be things like, as Anne was saying, you know, the self-employed will will find themselves dragged into the tax net more than they were before. So you'll see the base. They, they call it the tax base, as in the number of people who pay the tax widening, so that you don't have to raise the rates. So I mean, it's the the way that the stealth tax work is works. Is, is that, increasing the number of people who have to pay without actually hitting people with a higher rate. What I'm personally a bit concerned about is all the tinkering that has been done with pension tax reliefs. Now, we've seen them successively reduced, which in one way you might say is fair, but if there is more action taken to reduce pension tax reliefs, you lessen 
the incentive of senior managers to support pension schemes for lower paid employees. And we're already beginning to see that effect, that people who are busting up against the tax relief limits on their contributions, on their lifetime contributions, are leaving their company pension schemes, looking for other investments. And I just, I know I keep talking about the millennials, but I think we just need to have a mind to 20 and 30 somethings to ensure that pension schemes in anything like their current state remain. And for that, you, I hope that Philip Hammond realises this, you need the input and you need the self-interest of senior managers. So if he's thinking about more cuts to pensions tax relief, he needs to be, he needs to realise that this has long-term consequences. Okay, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion and perhaps ask Anne what we might expect, whether we're going to feel better or worse off personally. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back. Well, we were talking there about what to expect from Philip Hammond and the budget. And if I could start with you again, we mentioned there just before the break about pensions. What other moves do you think the Chancellor could make to make us personally feel better off the people that they keep on talking about, the the hard, the squeezed middle, which must cover the biggest majority of people in the country? Well, we understand that Philip Hammond doesn't have a thing about ISAs like his predecessor did. George Osborne was fixated on creating loads of new ISAs. And in fact, we've got a new ISA coming in in April called the LISA or the Lifetime ISA. But as we understand it, the rules and regulations haven't been finalised, so they may not get launched in time. But I think that Mrs May needs to think about 
voters. And there are an awful lot of older savers out there who are frankly fed up with very poor returns. So she needs to, there needs to be something for them, maybe a new national savings and investment product. We're going to get a very small scale scheme in May, which will pay a decent rate of interest, but maybe Philip Hammond needs to promise something more. And also, what we used to call just about managings, but are now ordinary working families, are really going to be feeling the pinch from the cost of living. People tend to disregard inflation because it isn't running at double digits. They don't realise the squeeze it's going to start having on particularly low-income people who spend a very large percentage of of their earnings on food. So there needs to be something for them, even if there's just some fine words to acknowledge the company that the government understands how they're feeling about things. Is he listening, Sam? Um, Yes, I think it might just be words this time around. I think that the Treasury is very aware of the impact of higher inflation, lowest caused by lower sterling. But um, it does have two budgets this year, and it thinks that it's going to need to act in the autumn rather than in this budget. That suggests to me that A, Philip Hammond is listening and is aware, but B, you're not going to see much practical help. Practical help being, of course, extraordinarily expensive. It's going to help a large number of people in next Wednesday's statement. So I think that's the bind he's in. That's why they're trying to play down expectations ahead of Wednesday in terms of the size of the fiscal transfers and the uh, changes that are going to be announced in terms of billions of pounds. Um, uh, and I don't think there are going to be any great giveaways at this stage. But that's not to say that the Treasury isn't aware. Um, there is also a political challenge. The political challenge is that it is not politically easy to start to talk about the cost of Brexit in public. Uh, I think most economists would say that the depreciation in sterling and the consequent rise in inflation were the consequence of uh, Britain's decision on uh, June, uh, June the 23rd. But it's quite hard to acknowledge that particularly openly in public because you attack for being a Ramona or talking down Brexit or talking down Britain. And so you've got to, Philip Hammond has to navigate a fairly tricky political course, seeming to help people who need help without openly blaming Brexit which, of course, this government is committed in the cliché to making a success of. There, there is one thing that he, he might do to help people uh, who are hit by higher inflation, which clearly is going to be the theme of the year, um, and that is fuel duty. He's, uh, the, the fuel duty escalator is baked into the, into the forecasts, uh, just as it is every single year and every time uh, a budget or an autumn statement has come round over the past six years, they've frozen it. Um, so that in itself would be an effective giveaway. Uh, I mean, he could even go further and preempt the inflationary hit by re- by reducing it, but that would be pretty ambitious. And as you say, it might actually be a comment, might be seen as a commentary on the trajectory of the economy, which, I mean, we should say that the economy is, is projected, the Bank of England is projecting the economy to grow 2% this year. Others others are um, saying around 1.5%, but, uh, but it was noticeable at the, the the last GDP figures. No one from the tra- the Chancellor didn't didn't uh, make a public comment on the second estimate, which uh, which could have been that he's worried about uh, sounding too optimistic in case things t- turn bad later on. Guys, I wonder what could be happening with the tax allowances, the personal tax allowance, the amount that we can all earn before we start paying tax. Now, there's a commitment to get it up to fifteen thousand by the end of the Parliament. He could move faster on that, thus allowing people to keep more 
of their earnings. However, if he needs to raise a great deal of money very fast for social care, which is very, very high in people's minds, they feel very bad about the plight of elderly people marooned in hospitals, maybe that is not what he would do but actually seek to slow down the increases in the tax allowance. It's a very, very interesting... Qu- I'm sure he must be in a quandary now as it's, to what to do. It's going up to 12,500, 12, 12, um, but it is in the manifesto. It would be quite striking if they, if they reversed that decision. The big picture is that um, uh, changes to the personal allowance, uh, which were promised in the, um, in the manifesto, are at every increment extremely expensive, and I suspect that he won't want to go any faster than currently the plans are baked in to do, or any slower. Downing Street is incredibly exercised by the need to prioritise delivering the manifesto, um, not least because we have a change of prime minister since the general election, creating something of a democratic deficit in where we are today. So they're not going to willingly come off any of the big picture commitments that they made during the general election. That does not mean that future additional help cannot be made, but it probably means that that won't happen at this budget. This is, as it were, a holding pattern budget. There will, as Anne says, be lots of small measures that might be painful. There are also some big picture problems that those tax rises will be designed to fix. But I think in terms of accelerating personal allowance changes, uh, I think that um, I think that comes later in the year. And it's worth saying on saving, if we didn't have Brexit, I think there would be a very clear line from Downing Street about what to do with that. That would be, this is a matter for the Bank of England, as interest rates rise again, as the economy takes off, you would expect the heavy lifting on that to be done by interest rate rises. It is because of the uncertainty, we don't know how the next three, four months post the triggering of Article 50 is going to go, that means that we can't actually do that. But I think the picture will be a lot clearer by the end of this year about whether or not we've weathered that storm. We know the passage, the, the, the progress of the Brexit negotiations, and there might be a more clarity on the path for interest rates by, say, December, January 2017-18 um, uh, than there is now. And so effectively what they're doing is just trying to buy another nine months, 12 months before making significant decisions on whether or not to, um, whether or not to plow money into alternatives to rely on interest rate raises to, to, to help savings or whether or not they can go back to one of the more traditional reasons why savers are a help compared to borrowers. Hopefully that there will be some uh, something eventually for savers because obviously if the Bank of England cannot move, um, uh, then the sort of effectively what feels like punishment for people who've who've uh, put their money aside um, will continue for much longer and of course rates were cut to 0.5% in March 2009 and then QE started and and real sort of borrowing and and real rates uh, came even lower Um, so people are just getting nothing on their money still. All I can think of at this point is if um, the Chancellor sits down after having made his speech and he said something, nothing, constructive about the state of the housing market, which as we know is so crucial to the economy, I shall feel dismayed and disappointed. Well, let's hope he doesn't leave you feeling dismayed and disappointed and we'll find out soon enough and be reporting back. Don't forget, you'll be able to keep up to date with all the blogs that Philip in particular and Anne will be on duty tweeting, blogging and writing. That's about it for now. But uh, remember, you can keep up to date with those stories, as I said, and the events as they happen on your phone, tablet and in the paper. If you'd like to become a subscriber, if you aren't already, then just go to thetimes.co.uk. It costs £1. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes, please do feel free to post your comments or email us direct. My sincere thanks to Anne Ashworth, Philip Aldrich and, of course, Sam Coates in Westminster there. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. And please join us again next week. Thanks for listening.
The Times Business Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain.